Welcome to Sparkle and Substack with me, Claire Venus. I'm an engagement consultant and mentor, and I started my journey with Substack in April 2022. My Sparkle and Substack publication was born out of my own journey of being a creative who also writes. I'm so excited to bring you tips, tools, and the voices of brilliant online creatives who are as passionate as me about you staying creative on the platform. Hello everyone, welcome back to Sparkle on Substack with me, Claire Venus. I'm so excited this morning because I have my friend Gabrielle chatting to me about all sorts really. I mean, we want to really introduce Gabrielle's new book, which is just out in the world. Um, I think it came out just before Christmas and I had a copy in my hands. I was very, very lucky and gave it away in a competition. So I'll let Gabrielle tell you more about that. But as always with these podcasts, it's a real experiment about what is landing with you guys how you can be more experimental, more creative on Substack. Gabrielle has a Substack too. And so we're going to delve into talking about what it was like to launch a book while having a Substack channel and publication as part of that marketing strategy and how that's all been going. Gabrielle's book is about to come out in America um, and it's been out in the UK for a little while now. So we'll talk about how it's all been going and how Substack sits for Gabrielle within a wider ecosystem. Welcome to the podcast, Gabrielle. Hi, thank you for having me. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. I'd love it if you could introduce yourself to everybody for those of you that those are the people that listen that don't know you yet. So my name is Gabrielle Trainer. I live in the Brecon Beacons in South Wales with my husband and my little dog. Um, I am a life and positive psychology coach. I call myself a calm coach because essentially I'm all about helping women who are feeling overwhelmed from their overdoing and their overthinking and their busy, busy lives to feel more calm and more joy at the same time. So I coach one-to-one. I teach courses and workshops. I have a podcast called Pressing Pause. I've just written a book. Um, Yeah, I, I do a variety of things that are all in the service of helping women to overcome their overwhelm and stress and feel more calm and joy. So perfect. And I love the way you articulate what that is. What that is in a nutshell is just that space of calm. And we all can identify with that and identify with what that isn't, you know, in our careers and in our lives, can't we? So that's really beautiful. And you and I met in a very calm setting, didn't we? We met down in the Tees Valley a fair few years ago now. I think it was the year before the pandemic, 2019. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. So 2019, we were at Make and Men Festival together with another lovely colleague called Natalie Lou, And there was the three of us doing a speaking gig. And we were in an outdoor space at a festival, a craft festival, a craft and wellness festival. Um, And we were there and we were all together. You know, we had our little order. We were going in and we were just supporting each other with, we don't know who's going to come. It wasn't a pre-bookable thing. It was just whoever fancied coming and sitting down at the time we were talking. So it was kind of like taking to the stage wasn't it take to the stage and see if you can drum up your audience um but of course it was much more gentle than that and it was this beautiful outdoor setting it was a lovely sunny day there was a huge giant collaborative cross stitch affair going on behind us in the bandstand which was just beautiful I forget the name of the artist but I'll look it up and put it in the show notes um and we just had the nicest day didn't we we just had a really nice time we did. It was lovely. And the three of us, yeah, like you said, you know, we just really supported each other. And Nat is, of course, on Substack as well. And it was, yeah, it was just good. We had sunshine. It was this beautiful setting. It was so lovely to meet you and, you know, to get to know each other. And we've, you know, we've really kept in touch ever since. Yeah, yeah it, was, it. it was a really joyous thing. It was the power of the internet, wasn't it? And for me, it was really interesting to be asked to do that speaking gig. So I know the organisers a little bit because we all work in the cultural sector in the northeast, and they'd been following some of the things that I was kind of talking about on Instagram. And this was me really trying to kind of find my voice and cultivate my voice around creativity and well-being. And they emailed and said, you know, would you like to do a talk? What would you do it about? And that's such a big question, isn't it? It's like, what would I talk about? Because I wasn't, I was doing like a little bit of one-to-one, but I was mainly, you know, working full throttle in the cultural sector. I was very, very busy with projects and Arts Council funded applications and all of that sort of stuff. And then being in yours and Nat's world was a real turning point for me of thinking, here are two incredible people in the world, in my world, not too far away. You know, they've not flown them in from America or Australia. Like here they are living in the UK living this life and I was really just yeah just really quite enchanted by 
talking to you, understanding more about how it worked for you, understanding, I think you both had podcasts at the time already as well. And I was like, you've got a podcast, what's that like? What, what do you want to do for that? You know, this whole world was opening up to me and I was so curious and like an excitable puppy like I am now really. But um, yeah, I just lent into that and just felt like I learned so much from you both. And I learned that actually it was okay for me to do things in my sort of slower and measured way and kind of come to it in my own time. And I knew then I wasn't quite ready to do the work that you guys were doing in the world, but I was still curious about going down that track. So yeah, really beautiful day. And I'd love to get back there. It's actually quite far from my house, but it's on every year. Like if anybody wants to look it up, it's called Making Men Festival. So it's like June, July time. And they have a mix of different artists and craftists, craftivism activists, and all sorts of fun people and um, stalls and yeah it's just a really lovely reset isn't it for your nervous system and to kind of remind yourself that creativity is a beautiful thing and there are there are other ways in life yeah yeah it is absolutely lovely I think it's mid-July because it's normally around my birthday oh it's okay (laughs) Um, yeah I think yeah I think if people google make and mend festival they will find it yeah Yeah. they can find it yeah And Lindsay and Rachel, who run that company, also offer embroidery craft kits around positive affirmations and stuff. They're really lovely. I've done loads of those. So we met there. We stayed in touch on Instagram. And then obviously when Gabrielle did that whole like announcement, like I've got an exciting announcement. I think it came through your Substack. I was like, oh, it might be a book. It's probably a book. Gabrielle, is it a book? And obviously you're not allowed to say, you know, those publishing timelines, they're so long. So probably you'd known for a long time before you gave the little sneak to us. I don't know how long it was you know before you dropped it into the launch date but that was all part of your sort of substack wasn't it yeah so it was I signed the book deal that that phrase that people love to check out in um December 2022 okay and then I couldn't say anything until the summer 23 by which point I'd finished writing it and yes you were the first person to message me and say oh have you written a book and I thought oh instantly she knew instantly how did you know (laughs) um and then yes then I actually had the book published in the UK in December 2023 or yeah pretty much exactly a year after I sort of started the process and now it is going to be published in the US and Canada on the 27th of February amazing global (laughs) (laughs) and how's it been so that was December so we're mid-February now so you've had six weeks or so maybe a couple of months nearly haven't you of the book being out in the world that kind of pre-launch and leaning into you know promotions and interviews I'd expect and some other kind of things I know you've been kind of drip feeding bits and bobs of the book and trying to just help people with the essence of what it's about what's the title of it Gabrielle? Yeah, I was thinking we should probably actually say the name of the book so it's called The One Percent Wellness Experiment um and essentially to give sort of a little overview of what it's about one percent of your waking day if you take off eight hours for the recommended amount of sleep we're supposed to have one percent of your waking day is 10 minutes and so the book is filled with experiments of ideas of how you can take care of your well-being and your your mental and emotional well-being in just 10 minutes a day to make it as doable as possible and i call them experiments because it's all about just giving it a go, just trying it out, taking off the pressure for this to be the solution or this to be something that you must follow in exactly the prescribed way. And if you don't do it that way, it's not going to work because I think there's a lot of time that can trip us up. We think that we need to do things exactly as we've been told, because if we don't do it that way, we're not going to get the benefits, not going to work for us. And then when it doesn't actually fit into our lives, because we all have different things going on. Um, or we find it, you know, it doesn't work for us that well, or we don't actually like it, or we just can't stick to it. We think that it's something that is a fading on our part. And actually, maybe it just doesn't work for you. Maybe it just doesn't work for you in the way that it has been suggested. But if you tweak it, if you try it a different time of day, if you try it in a different way, maybe then it will work for you. Or maybe it's just absolutely not for you, in which case, never mind, there's nothing wrong with the idea. There's nothing wrong with you. You're just not a compatible match try something else. So that's why it's all about experimenting. And there are 31 different experiments with the idea that you could, if you wanted to, do one a day for a month. But it's all, you know, it's all up for your interpretation. It's all up for you to decide what you want to do, how you want to do it. There is no, this is how you must do it. So that's, that's what the book is about. Mm. And so, um, 
yeah, on Substack, I found it's been really, it's been really lovely and supportive, actually, because I think I I might have felt a bit more comfortable about talking about the book on Substack because it's a place for writers. Lots of people that I follow on there are authors, have written multiple books. You know, some of them are kind of really, you know, almost intimidating. They're so kind of big in the, the publishing world. Um, but there's just lots of people who are writing books or wanting to write books. It's just a really booky type environment in many ways, but not not kind of exclusively and not if you're not a booky person, I don't think you'd feel left out. Um, but when I first sort of said, oh, I've got a book coming out or, you know, it's it's going to be published soon. I'm wondering what to do about it. I had so many lovely comments and suggestions of people saying, talk about it, shout about it. And you definitely were a big cheerleader, Claire. You know, we want to hear about it. We want to know what's going on. Make sure you shout about it. This is important. This is something to celebrate, which was so lovely because even though I've been in business for years now, I still have that really kind of annoying, sticky belief of I don't want to be annoying. I don't want to bang on about something because I don't want to, you know, sound like it's all about me. And so having people kind of give me permission slips left, right and center. We want to know about it. We want to hear about it was just lovely and even when I was deliberating which you and I had conversations about um about whether to do some kind of launch because it was published on the 21st December which was really close to Christmas I thought oh, people are busy you know they've not got time to do things and do I do I want to do an online book launch party what if nobody comes I feel like Billy no mates and I had people saying but it's just something to celebrate just you know it, it's something that it doesn't matter that it's close to Christmas. It doesn't matter that people might or might not come along. This is something that is worth celebrating. And I thought, oh my goodness, that is such a, it just, just that shift really helped me. And then I did do an online book launch and quite a few people came and it was glorious and it was so lovely. And I was thinking, you know, this would have been so different if I hadn't done that. But it really was the encouragement from other people who, you know, some people I know well, like you, some people that I don't know very well at all, who were just, really encouraging and sending me lovely messages and comments and saying go for it it was yeah lovely so nice to hear and I remember that that week and the build-up to that week and then the identity the visual identity of the book coming out and that feeling like wow like this is a real thing in the world that's going to help people that's going to give people yes a permission slip towards bite-sized wellness if you like but also that kind of it's it's gentle you know like you say that experiment it's an experiment we can just try if it doesn't feel good if it feels really good then do it every day or you know once a week or whatever and I just think we need more of that because we are all so unique in our approach to what we need what we need for our creative practice what we need to feel fired up for our creative practice what we need for downtime what we need for deep rest there's just so much that makes us very unique and I think we've seen a lot over the years a lot of blueprint type type energy you know do this and these are the seven steps to this and the five steps to this and three ways to do this and it's like or you can just have a lovely experiment and see how that goes yeah and it's interesting that you use the word gentle because that word I think gets used more than anything else in relation to my work mm-hmm. and I think you know there's that phrase about you know you teach what you need to learn and I think that it's you know I feel so strongly about never wanting to put pressure on other people ever and I think it's because I've put so much pressure on myself and I felt pressure from external forces but there's a lot of pressure that I put on myself growing up through you know my kind of 20s and into my 30s of how I thought I should be and what I needed to be and how I needed to behave and what I needed to do for other people and all of that stuff that I'm now so keen to really not be somebody who ever adds to another person's load, whoever puts on any kind of pressure and to really encourage people to take that pressure off because we do have it coming at us from so many external forces. We really don't need to be doing it to ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's so true. It'll be there whenever we open our laptops, whenever we open our phones, even, you know, just going about doing the grocery, it just exists, doesn't it? It just exists. It's there. And actually what we're saying is, we could just put that down and jump into this gentle invitation and just see where that takes us. And I think, you know, I would absolutely love it if you could read us some of the book. I know you've got it with you today. I gave my copy away in a competition to lovely Emily, who's having a wonderful time with it after I'd read it over Christmas time. But yeah, I'd love to hear from the book today. And I'm sure our listeners would too. Thanks, Gabrielle. 
Yeah, I thought I would read um, quite a short experiment, experiment number nine, um, which is called Let Your Mind Wander, because this is something that we don't often allow ourselves to do because, you know, there's stuff to be done there. We have to do lists. We've got deadlines. There are people that are counting on it. So this experiment may be the simplest one of all and the hardest and the most beneficial and the most challenging Because for 10 minutes, I want you to experiment with doing absolutely nothing. Don't do or think about anything in particular. You don't have to meditate or write a list or focus on your breathing or tune into your senses or repeat an affirmation or listen to music or read. Just let your mind wander. The thought of doing nothing for 10 minutes may be making you feel panicky. How can you do nothing? You've too much to do. It's selfish and lazy and wrong to be idle for 10 whole minutes. Just think what you could get done in that time. Is it selfish and lazy and wrong, really? Or have we just learned over our lifetimes that we should be busy and productive? And to do otherwise is lazy and selfish and wrong. Before we had the world encapsulated in the phone in our pocket, if we were in a queue or waiting room without a book, or a Walkman, remember them, we had no choice but to just be with our thoughts. But we're out of that habit because thanks to the wonders of technology, we can always find something to occupy our minds, which means our brains never get the chance to wander freely. Now, how often do you take 10 minutes to just be? Without making lists or planning in your head or written down, without rehearsing or dissecting conversations, Without scrolling on your phone, listening to the radio or zoning out in front of the TV, without willing yourself to fall asleep? When did you last allow your brain to amble and drift? You're not trying to empty your head or stop yourself from thinking. For these 10 minutes, you can let your mind wander wherever it wants to. It's actually quite fascinating to notice the variety and volume of random thoughts that pop into your head when you allow it free reign. There can be a fear stopping us from letting our minds drift, a fear that will have thoughts and feelings that will be unwanted or uncomfortable and which we won't know what to do with or perhaps struggle to handle. However, these fears may be unjustified. A study carried out in Japan and the UK in 2022 that asked people to sit in a quiet room without any books, music or phones and just think for up to 20 minutes found participants enjoy the experience more than they thought they would. There are benefits to be found in allowing your mind to meander. Research suggests that mind wandering enhances creativity and problem solving. Even without the research, we know in our hearts and our guts that taking a break, giving ourselves a moment to catch our breath and hop off the mad merry-go-round that is ordinary life for just 10 minutes is going to help. A brief respite where we're not in demand and we're not demanding anything of ourselves is like pressing a reset button. So set a timer for 10 minutes, sit, stand or lie down and just let your mind wander. What an invitation. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I just feel like you have so many thoughts listening going, oh, but I could meditate or... Oh, well, I could, you know, and then trying to imagine how you would stop yourself from doing the listing thing, you know, because I, you know, even if I'm swimming, even if I'm walking, I'll be like, oh, <laughs> you know, our brain does that to us, doesn't it? So that invitation to wander, to daydream. When I was traveling um, a few years ago now, longer than I probably care to admit ago now, um, there were lots of long hours and hours and hours worth of bus rides and there were some people that I got to know on the same sort of coach travel um guide that I was on it was brilliant but there was a point in each day where we all just without talking about it just agreed that all we were going to do was just sit in the bus you know and let it take us where it was taking us to and take in what we were being toured around you know just taking that environment and taking our own thoughts and taking space to integrate what life had been up to that point and I think that's what pauses are I think that's what meditation is 
to a large extent, that integration piece, you know, that whole like, this was all so busy and now I'm going to meditate. And actually what we're doing is, yes, there is a practice in meditation, but it's an integration. It's a kind of coming back to center, coming back to self. And that to me feels such, yeah, such a gift of an invite to just come back to self and know that all of it's okay. I loved what you said about the experiment where people enjoyed it more than they thought they were going to. That resistance piece, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to. Why don't we want to? Like, what's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, what I hear from a lot of the women I work with is that there is a fear of where your mind could go. Because what if you think thoughts that you don't want to think? What if they're uncomfortable? What if they, you know, what if they challenge you? What if, you know, it turns up that you you think thoughts that you don't know what to deal with them, how, you, how you're going to deal with them. Mm-hmm. And so if you keep yourself busy, then you don't have to think those thoughts. But we don't know we're going to have those thoughts. We don't know that they're going to be difficult or challenging, or even if they are, that we're not going to be able to handle them because we just don't know. And it might be that, you know, if you, you know, again, you know, with the point that it's never about a certain way to do it. If you think, okay, I'm going to try it for 10 minutes, going to let my mind wander, and you find yourself making lists, please don't get cross at yourself for making lists. If that's where your mind wanders off to, that's where it wanders off to. And if then you then notice, you think, oh, is that interesting? I've just spent eight of those 10 minutes making lists. Oh, that's interesting. It's just all interesting. You know, it's, it's all information. It's all us getting to know ourselves in a real, in a, it's almost like that goldfish bowl of the really fast paced society and the goldfish stops swimming and just pauses and just goes, oh, I'm a goldfish. I forgot I was a goldfish. I'm a goldfish. And all of that's out there and it, that's all fine, but I'm just here. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's so sophisticated and so complicated yet so simple. It's such a simple invitation. I think you're going to get so much incredible feedback as the book starts to land and people start trying these different experiments and start kind of settling on the ones that feel good to them. It's super interesting. I um, We've got a conservatory on the front of the house and around this time of year is a really nice time to go and sit there and just watch the garden doing its thing. It's pretty much dormant, but it's not. Like there are things starting to happen. And we had one of those bird feeders it's kind of like um it attaches to the window with suckers and so the birds can sit inside it and kind of peck at the little seeds that we put in so I got one of those um a few years ago for my well-being really to try and pull me off the screen and remind me that here's a beautiful garden doing its thing and it worked until we used to get these pigeons come and just like literally slam into the window into the little bird feeder and then like sprinkle all the seeds and it would jump out of my skin you know and just be like what on earth so it's not built for them but they can just about fit in it they're like a certain type of I think it's a wood pigeon so yeah so at the moment it's not installed but I will try again but it was just so yeah, it was very much life imitating art, you know, that whole thing of like, okay, this is beautiful. I'm doing my mindful wandering around the garden, having a look at how everything's going. Whoosh, a pigeon. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll deal with a pigeon or not. Take the bird feeder down or not. Yeah. There are all of these things, aren't there, where we can kind of like, yeah, work out what it is within our day that feels good to us. For, for me at the moment, I'm doing a knitting project and this has come from a kind of a real pull to be offline you know to be offline and to be stitching something together and it's such a simple project I could literally knit two or three rows and that would be enough and that would be done and I could put it down it's not one of these where I need to think and do maths I'm just literally need to pick it up and knit so that's been amazing for me it's been amazing for my creativity and it's something that I knew would help but I have resisted for the longest time and I don't know why, you know, I just had excuse after excuse, couldn't find the right project, didn't know whether my toddler would unravel it all. You know, there was all these things. And then when I've sat down to do it, it's been the best thing for my well-being and my creativity. Yeah, it's interesting. I realized a a while ago that the kind of creative pursuits that I like are repetitive in nature. And first of all, I thought, well, that's not very creative of you. (laughs) But it is, though, isn't it? Because repetition (laughs) can be like a working through, can be an unraveling as well. Mm. And that's that's exactly it. It's it's that repetition that just allowed my my mind to relax Mm. and to just enjoy being in that moment and the rhythm of it. You know, the kind of the rhythm, rhythmic clicking of the needles, because it it is quite often knitting or crocheting that I do. Mm. And it's 
that is far more soothing to kind of my mind and to my nervous system than following a pattern whereby I might produce a really lovely piece of clothing perhaps mm. but actually I know that that certainly where I am at the moment in kind of life and my mind that's not going to be of best service to me yes I'll have a, a lovely hopefully <laughs> a lovely piece of clothing at the end of it but to get to it that would feel like work because I would have to concentrate yeah. I would have to pay attention mm. and actually what I want to do when I'm drafting is to just kind of switch off and everything go a bit quiet and get into a rhythm and it just be very sort of you know kind of methodical and and they're just yeah they're just being this sort of this lovely soothing rhythm like a hum but kind of with knitting needles to go by and recognizing that that's what I need and that I don't have to produce something lovely it doesn't have well, I mean, it could still be lovely but I don't have to produce something more complicated it doesn't have to be a different thing to what I've made before none of that matters what matters is that I do something that just feels lovely to me and that's it that is all that it you know that is the full criteria list that needs to be ticked it just needs to be something enjoyable yeah so I'm really glad that you found that too yeah for, for sure and I think with this particular project in the past, it would have been a project that I might have tried to rush ahead on. And so knowing that about myself has really enabled me to just not do that. I have got a deadline. I want to make it for a friend's birthday, but I know it'll happen anyway because it's so simplistic and it's easy to complete. So it's given me that real permission slip to just go, I don't have to rush. Whatever happens, it's going to be finished and I don't have to work anything out. I just have to literally focus on the tension being the best that I can get it. But even if it's not perfect, that's fine too, because it's a hand knit. And yeah, it just feels, yeah, it feels like a really nice time of year to have picked that up um, along with my everyday walks as well, which I've picked back up again after quite a harsh winter in Northumberland. I've kind of made myself go and do that. We don't have a dog to walk um, like yourself. So we don't have that excuse. And I was just finding that everything was feeling quite stagnant in terms of my creativity. And I was like, I've got to get out and walk every day, you know, and I know people still do their everyday walks. And it's, you know, it's, we joke about it, don't we, in the UK about sort of daily walks since the pandemic, but it's, it was amazing for everyone's well-being, And it still is, you know, if you don't commute to work or whatever else, and you just sat a lot at home, working at home, and then, you know, in the car or whatever for groceries and school runs, then it can quite easily in the winter just kind of turn into yeah almost like a, it's sort of almost like a prison within your home and it's like there's a whole world out there and it's not as scary as you might think just get the right layers on and it'll all be fine yeah definitely having a dog makes it easier to mm. go for walks for sure because you have to there's no choice about it to. But to, I did wow. notice when um so our previous dog we had her for 13 years so pretty much every single day once or twice a day I was out for a walk and then when she died in the May of 2022 and we didn't get Bailey, our new dog, until the October, those months in between, I noticed so quickly how I had to make myself go for I mean, it helped that it was summer and it was better weather, mm -hmm. but I really had to be so much more consciously intentional about going out for a walk. And it made me so much more aware of the benefits of it because... I might go a couple of days, which sounds like only a couple of days, but you went for 13 years, you've gone every single day. Every single day. Two days like without really with leaving the weather, the house. Checked in with the environment, yeah. Yeah, it, you know, you really do feel a difference. And also walking without a dog is different to, as I imagine, walking, you know, without children, because you're not, you're just having to just think about yourself and you don't even have to think about yourself. You can fully concentrate on what you're seeing and what you're smelling and what you're feeling mm. and focus on nature as opposed to, you know, wondering where the dog's wandering off to and picking up after them and what are they trying to eat and everything else that happens with the puppy and so when we then got our new dog and walks with a puppy are all of those things there's a lot to think about I've had a puppy in the past yeah no I know <laughs> I was finding that actually I kind of I needed another walk just for me so I would kind of walk the dog come the back walk, and then kind yeah. of pass over to my husband and say I now need to go for half an hour myself because I now need some more space to myself but it's yeah, those walks are just invaluable. And where I live as well in in um in a really kind of rural area, it's just it's just absolutely food for my for my soul. 
Yeah, and my mind. soul food. Yeah, for sure. And so when I was on maternity leave with Luna, she's three now, we would go out with the pram at least twice a day, if not three times, because it was the easiest way where she would fall asleep. And so it was the depths of winter um, and into spring, you know, before she was walking. So that sort of first nine months of her life. And I did that every day. And my writer voice came through. So I was in quite a high pressured scenario at the time postpartum, needed some serious therapy after birthing her alone. My husband was really sick. We didn't know if he was going to make it or not. There was so much going on. I was in this huge pressure cooker. However, these walks were stitching together this romance of the scenario that was in. And I use romance loosely because it was brutal, but it, what the only way to get through was to try and write myself out of it, to try and write myself into the beauty of the moment. You know, I'm there with this newborn. She was amazing. You know, I'd always wanted her to come. I'd seen ourselves as a family of four. She was here. We were okay. You know, the whole pandemic scary thing of would I be okay, would I not? I had COVID when I gave birth to her. It was just all so intense. I was so grateful she was here. And that kind of unlocked this portal of seeing where we live for the first time. We've lived here eight years now and it's an ex-mining village. So there's a lot of history. There's a lot of generational history. You know, lots of people's kind of grandparents had those jobs where they worked in the mine and those stories have been passed down and the house that we live in is an ex-mining cottage so it's situated in rows of other ex-mining cottages and the romance of being in that and talking to the neighbours and seeing the way that nature pushes through and seeing the way that people have created new ways to live so we were seeing like outdoor buildings popping up we were seeing people create playgrounds for children for the first time we were seeing people come together in more communal ways than they had before and I was seeing all of this through my walks and I was also seeing the beauty in what was above me as well so I think before then you know, when you go for your walk and you've got everything kind of surrounding you this way, I was almost really aware of like the sky and the expansiveness of where we were situated in the world, right? So there was this kind of real awakening to like, we're here, but everyone across the world is also going through a pandemic. So the, for the first time, it was like feeling everybody's energy and suffering and all of the things that we had to kind of work through at that time and it just made me want to write I was part of a writers group at the time so it wasn't just that it was the weekly anchor of this writing group um and I didn't know I had that voice I did not know I didn't know that that was in me I didn't know it was waiting to come out I didn't know that I would ever write in the way that I could write then and it was a super super interesting time for my creativity but yeah, the 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 walking, the intensity, the real pull to just thread those words together in a sentence and see if it made sense just for me, like it just went in journals, you know, that was what it was about. But it was super interesting. And I think that is why when my husband mentioned about Substack and said, you know, there's this platform for writers, I think it could be really fun for us to be on there, you know, we could just sort of see what it's all about. I was like, yeah, I've got stuff to write. I'd quite, I'd quite fancy just having a go, you know. And the fact that I went on to Substack and didn't tell anybody that I was doing it, you know, it was just like, this is a platform that is on the internet that is a place to write, felt really compelling at that time. So that was about a year later. Um, and I just, yeah, I wanted to ask, I've given you a real download there, Gabrielle, but I wanted to ask, I'm sure you didn't have this huge spiritual awakening to come to Substack, but you did come to Substack and you were like, here's a platform that I'd like, quite like to experiment with. Here's a platform that I could see being part of my business. I want to play around on. Like, what was it for you? What was it that brought you over? Mm. Well, first of all, I just want to acknowledge what you've just shared, because that's, yeah, that's a huge experience for you to have gone through. And and for it to have, yeah, I mean, the, the way you describe a portal, that's beautiful, beautiful. Um, so I can't actually remember how I first heard about Substack, but how how I heard about it, or how it was described to me by whoever, um, was that it was a place for you to send newsletters from. So I, first of all, was thinking of it as an alternative to the company that I was using to send out my newsletter but also the newsletters would like sit on a site so it was a sort of a blog slash newsletter place so I started off thinking right well I'll I'll just move my newsletter list over and so I very much had 
the thinking of it being a newsletter hosting place. Um, but the thing that I quite liked about it, the sort of the what appealed to me was the idea that people could find it who weren't already signed up to my newsletter so they could kind of, you know, get a taste of it before signing up. Um, therefore, there might be new people who I might not um, find otherwise or might not find me otherwise who could find it. Um, and also that people could comment because I think sometimes people can read something. I know I do it. I read newsletters and think, oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I get that. But then I never actually email to tell that person who sent me that writing. But if I've read it on screen somewhere, it's a lot easier to just quickly tap out a comment. Somehow that is easier to do than tapping out an email. I don't know why, but it just is. And I thought, actually, that's quite a nice idea to be able to have people write comments if they want to. Um, so, yeah, I really did see it as kind of a place to kind of have my newsletter. And I still I think I still think of it a little bit like that. Um, and I'm trying to think of it more broadly. And I think it might have been um, Annie. I'm I'm not entirely sure how to say her surname. Annie Ridu. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I think she talks about it being like a magazine, which I quite like that idea of the idea that you can have, you know, different posts and therefore to talk about different topics and different types of posts. And that's quite an interesting way to look at it, which I think might help me to kind of shift out of the newsletter mindset, which I think I'm still quite sort of stuck in, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like the fact that there were just lots of interesting people. And when I had to look around, so many interesting people and then seeing people that I know from other parts of life or I have their newsletters or I follow them on Instagram and seeing them on there too. Um, it was just, yeah, it just seemed like a place that I could, I could meet new interesting people, read new interesting writing. Um, and hopefully maybe some people would find me and find what I have to share interesting too. Mm, yeah. I love that. And I love that you stuck within that formula that was working for you on another platform and you brought it over and you were like, okay, this works. Like it worked there. It'll work here. And then there might be more people that come. And then with the book, obviously you've been able to do bits of promotion about the book within your Substack publication, but also on Substack notes. I wondered if you could talk a bit about what your ideas were for kind of promoting the book, the fact that you are an author now, that you've got a book out in the world and how that's been landing with people and maybe bringing the book to them. Yeah, so I I kind of really sort of opened up to, let me just ask people on Substack, what could I do? Has anybody got any ideas? Can anybody help? Um, so I pretty much put out a, a, um, I think I put a post on a, on a note sort of saying, you know, I would love to spread the word, um, about the book. Pre-orders are really important. Who's got any ideas of what I can do? And kind of, you know, up, up you go, you, you know, you help me. Um, and I had some lovely responses back, such as yourself. Um, Louise Tilbrook invited me to be on her first, um, coffee with blog series that she, or post series that she wanted to do. So I was the first one. That's, that was lovely of her. Um, Emma Gannon included my book in the Sunday School. So there was, you know, straight away people were wanting to be supportive, which was just lovely and really encouraging. Mm. Um, and then I decided for the start, so the book was published on the 21st of December. And then at the start of January, I decided quite last minute to do a daily post on notes. And I also did it on my Instagram grid, which was inspired by my sister-in-law. Some things have been very last minute. Um, where she had messaged me saying um, that she's got the book and she thought it was great and she and my teenage niece were going to do it for January. They were going to do an experiment a day for January. And I thought, why didn't I do that on Substack Notes and Instagram? But, you know, literally it was about two days before and I thought, right, how quickly can I pull this together? Um, So I thought, let's do an experiment along. And so every day I posted um, a little graphic, which was basically the, the title of the experiment for each day. Um, and then a question as to to try and kind of attempt to sum up the experiment in one question to just sort of get the juices flowing, get you thinking um, about it. So I posted that on Instagram and notes. Um, and as I think happens quite a lot with you know, these kind of month long projects, over time, it got quieter um, for sure. But there were some people who really stuck with it, who were just amazing and just, you know, kept carried on commenting or, you know, there would be the odd one that would would get a little kind of bump in response because it really spoke to people. Yeah. But it was just it was just quite nice to do just, you know, it felt like it was I was just sort of showing up in a way that felt 
not super kind of spammy promo. Yes, it was about my book, but there was value in the post. It's a gift as well, isn't it? It's a well, it's a wellness experiment, you know. So it's a it's a gift every time. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's what I wanted. I wanted it to be something that had value in itself, even if you never bought the book. Obviously, it'd be lovely if people did, but if you never bought the book, you'd still get something really valuable from it. Um, and it felt like I could show up every day in a way that was doable for me because January was actually a really busy month because of the book. And also January always feels, I am not a very wintry person. And therefore I don't have a lot of energy in January and I needed a lot of energy because there was stuff happening with my family. I'm also doing a master's degree and there had assignments happening. There was quite a lot of book promo going on outside of Substack. Um, There's work. I work part-time for mental health charity and there's my business. There was a lot going on and I wanted to show up, but I needed to do it in a way that was, sort of good for me so by creating this sort of this project that was quite formulaic and that I could I could prepare all the little images and you know all the kind of the sentences that I was going to post on and therefore I could just sort of copy and paste it into Substack each day and then check back each day to see what comments there were so I could reply to them it felt like I could show up daily in a way that was sustainable and enjoyable rather than something that required huge amounts of energy that I just didn't have it's beautiful and it reminds me of when you walk past a bookshop and they've got a couple of books profiled and they might have a little post-it from one of the staff members or something on you know this is the book of the week and this is why it's kind of just reminding people this is a great book for January you know especially if you're in the UK and Europe and you're freezing um but it's a great book for just that start of the year isn't it of like okay like we're being asked to think about our year could we also think about our wellness in that could we be playful could we be experimental did you tend to publish at the same time each day on notes or did you vary the timings that you posted um I pretty much did it first thing in the morning I okay, think so one of my first tasks point, just yeah. to kind of remember mm-hmm. to do it first thing in the morning um yeah the, the reason that the the publishers picked just before Christmas to publish it was because they they felt it was something that would really speak to kind of the, the January wanting to take care of yourself try something new for your well-being um which made perfect sense. And I also really wanted to be very clear that it's not, you know, it does not contribute to the whole new year, new you resolutions, you know, let's suddenly radically overhaul our lives because all of that sounds way too exhausting for me to do. I'm certainly not going to suggest other people do it. Mm. Um, and, you know, as is the theme of all my work and the book, you can you know take as long as you'd like to do it. You can do it whenever you don't have to do one experiment a day for a month. You can do, you can dip in that. You don't have to do them in order. You can do them starting whenever you fancy. It's absolutely for you to engage with in whatever way and whenever suits you. And yes, January had a, a natural kind of makes natural sense. But, you know, absolutely. If, you know, if if people are listening to this come, you know, August or, you know, or May or November, you know, because podcasts are just out there forever, then, aren't they? Mm. Um, you know, whenever, whenever that you want to, you know, decide that you, you're going to do something for your well-being with my book or not, that's the right time for you to do it, whatever the, yeah, you know, the date on the calendar And it's is. that thing of keeping a handle on it, isn't it? Because there are so many things that come in all of the time, you know, life admin, family stuff, work stuff, new deadlines, new people to work with. And it, we can just let that well-being side of things and the wellness side of things slip down the priority list if we're not careful. So it's just that gentle reminder, especially if you've got Gabrielle's book on your shelf, that wellness is important to us in our human vessel, but also important to us as creatives. And I think, you know, that's always been something I've massively pushed. Obviously, my husband's a, a yoga teacher and a coach. And so we are immersed in that wellness world we've been immersed in the wellness industry and kind of slowly turned our backs on it and sort of gone our own way you know it's like it just became really difficult like wellness doesn't have to be difficult it doesn't have to be complicated it can just be those checking in moments with yourself that you're talking about that lovely experiment I wonder with the process of the book Gabrielle if when you were 
writing your pitch out to publishers or agents, I'm not sure which order it all happened in, but whether you had the title and the framework or whether that came through working in collaboration with your agent and your publisher and you kind of had a real collaborative approach to what the book was actually going to be in the world or if it was very clear to you from the start what it was going to be. It was, yeah, it was quite an interesting route. So I, a few years ago, I was contacted by two different commissioning editors around the same time on Instagram well through Instagram in that that's where they had found me first of all and then they had gone off and had a look and listened to my podcast and they'd looked at my blog writings and seen what else I did and they individually had contacted me to ask if I'd considered writing a book at which point I got very overexcited and thought of an idea really quickly and sent it off to both of them and then it's interesting while they were both off thinking about it I then kind of went off the idea and thought, I don't know if I, I don't know if this is the book I want to write. And so when they both came back for different reasons and decided not to go with it, I was actually kind of relieved. I was kind of, you know, my ego was a bit like, oh, but I still want to write a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that particular idea, I was quite relieved because actually that I didn't want to write that book anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then oh, probably a good sort of 18 months went by. Um, and then I just had this idea for this book. And it really kind of quite fully formed, fell into my brain. And I thought, you know, that 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 is the book I want to That feels right for me. And I felt differently to it than I had the previous idea. Um, so I contacted one of those commissioning editors again and said, I've got this idea and sent the idea over to her. And she loved it straight away. And it all then happened very quickly. But it was pretty much, yeah, it was pretty much sort of formed as it was, there was, you know, a bit of tweaking through the editing process. But essentially, what is published as a book now is pretty much what was my idea that I went to the publisher with. Yeah. Wow, love that. And then the title, it was the title you because I hear a lot like, write the title, but it doesn't matter because the copywriters are going to help you with that because they know, right, they know that is the one chance like that title and that strap line is what sells books. And um, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, that whole thing. But it, they know that world, don't they? They, they? they deal in books every day. So did that come through your writing and through writing the book? Or were they like, how about this? Like, how did that work? So my original title was The 1% Experiment. Okay. Because, I, you know, I, I it sort of rhymes more easily. They suggested putting the word wellness in to be specific. And I thought that was a very good idea. Because, yes, you don't know what you're experimenting with otherwise. Um, I can't remember what my strap line was. But I, but I know that because the strap line is micro gains to change your life in 10 minutes a day. It was something along those lines, but it definitely didn't have the word change your life. Because when I first saw that, my first reaction was, I don't know if I want to promise that. And then I thought, okay, one, it's not a promise. I'm not promising anything, but also actually, and I write about this in the introduction. It's not, you know, it's not actually that unfeasible thing for it to change your life because actually if you do do some most any of these experiments kind of consistently over a period of time it will have an impact on you it just will you know it can't not it's going to unlock different parts of what you previously understood about yourself in the world isn't it because that's what pausing does that's what feeling calm that's what wellness this is why we all do it yeah yeah and having you know, spending 10 minutes a day doing one thing for your own well-being when that is something that you haven't been doing is going to have a beneficial impact on your life. It just is, because how could it not? And so, yeah, so I kind of, I do actually remember going for a walk and think to myself and saying it out loud and going, oh God, can I really say that? What am I quite really? And having this whole, which is what I do a lot on walks with the dog or not, um, is talk out loud to myself through things that I'm thinking about. Um, and by the end of the walk, I was like, no, actually, this is OK. I, I do stand by that strap line. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the title, the title was mine, but then they very sensibly put the word wellness in. I think that's great. And also it's that invitation, isn't it? That even if you're the busiest person in the world, you know, we've all got 10 minutes. You know, we've all got we've all got that. Well, would hope. <laughs> I mean, even if it's 10 minutes while the kettle's boiling, you know, or while, you know, while the pasta is cooking. Yeah. It's like, how are you going to, how are you going to weave that into your day? And also, you know, 
if you try it and if you unlock something new about yourself or your creative process or, you know, whether it's self-awareness or self-development or the way that you like to work or not feeling as overwhelmed or feeling more calm, those are all really positive things. So, yeah, I'm a big advocate for trying at least one of the experiments and have a look back over Substack Notes, have a look on Gabrielle's Instagram because there's quite a lot there already for people to just get a taste, isn't there? That's all that's all there look for the orange um and then yeah the book will be out in the world it is out already in the UK obviously if you're listening in real time it's coming out in America I wonder Gabrielle circling back to your substack what you feel about your substack and what it can be for you going forward obviously you know you're saying that you've got that newsletter that feels almost quite you know it's easeful it's there it's fine and then you Curiously leaning into, okay, well, I've done this notes experiment. I know what that is now. I've had some lovely chats over there. You know, we've crowdsourced some ideas. Have you had anything else? I mean, you haven't had a huge amount of time because you've been so busy, but have you had any other thoughts about what your Substack could be? Yes, it is described by Farrister, and I love this quote. It's so not me, but I do love it. A personal media empire. It's so Farrah, and I'm like, oh, um, but I love it. I'm like, wow, yeah, it could be your personal media empire. What does that even mean? Yes, please. Maybe. I don't know. Um, and yes, it can be a beautiful magazine. I use that in my group program. Actually, I run a group program for people that want to take Substack seriously, and it's called Your Substack Magazine. Um, but for you, what do you feel like it, it wants to be? Is it is it just what it is or might it be other things? Oh, that is, you know, that is quite a tricky question because I'm, I'm still very much in the thick of trying to figure it out. And I think in a way, I don't have the the full brain space that I would like to be able to devote to figuring it out at the moment because of all the things I've got going on. But this is this is the season I'm in at the moment. And I know that's that's not going to last. Um but I think I'm kind of all right with figuring it out. You know, the fact that I've written a book all about experimenting, I feel like I do I need to walk my talk and I'm all right with experimenting with it. So I've been experimenting with what I've been offering um, for paying subscribers. So I recently just changed that. Um, I did do a post where I was asking people um, who subscribe already or don't subscribe um, paying as to what they wanted and it was really interesting that it was a whole variety. And I thought this is the thing, actually, sometimes crowdsourcing, you you can take that as information, but you don't necessarily can follow it because actually everybody has their own opinions and their own needs. Um, so I've changed at the moment to be quite kind of paired back to what it was. I have a habit of being the overdoing, overthinking, over sometimes overwhelmed person in the past of overgiving. And so I had I had been giving a lot. And I think that in a way that can be really quite overwhelming for people, which is so the opposite of what I'm all about. I'm very much about helping people to not be overwhelmed. And so realizing that I've paired it back. So now it's a um, a very brief, like one minute email um, on a Monday, a pep talk. And you have also have access to a recording of a, a workshop. Um and in terms of sort of the regular kind of paying subscriber, that's it, because actually, I think more than that could be too much for people. So it's really interesting sort of playing around with what I can offer people. Um, obviously, it would be lovely to have more free subscribers and more paying subscribers. And, you know, a dream is to earn something resembling a chunk of my income from Substack, but I'm not trying to put any pressure on myself to make that happen anytime soon, because I just know that what I have going on in this particular season, there's a lot and I don't have the time or the brain space to really devote lots of energy to Substack. Because I mean, certainly, you know, what, what you're offering people with your course and everything that you're doing to help people, that is something that I'm thinking in the future, I absolutely want to be a part of your community and be a part of your paid offerings because I know how much value you're giving people and there's part of me that's kind of itching itching to join and itching to dive in but I also need to really be aware of what is doable for me at the moment and at the moment it's really about kind of bumping along trying to um you know read when I can without getting bogged down in but I feel like I'm missing out if I don't read all the things because that can come up. You know, there can be a bit of FOMO because there's so much good stuff and there's so, so many people. There's so much good stuff. Brilliant. New, new people are coming all the time, you know, since we've been 
on there there have been some incredible writers joined um and that'll keep happening you know that's that's there for us isn't it but so are there books you know we can put the internet down and pick up a book or whatever else it's like yeah that balance and this has been coming up in my community a lot in terms of reading other people's work and I've just had a massive unsubscribe session which always I always feel terrible about but I have to look after myself and I was like I'm not getting around to them there's a lot of previews coming through I just can't I don't want to have to do admin like that's not what I'm there for you know I'm there to teach people how to stay creative on the platform to find that creative voice to kindle that that curiosity around what type of writer you know what type of creative like who do they want to collaborate what's that going to bring out of them and it's just it's such joyful work but the busier Substack gets the harder it is to help people hear that you know because there's so much noise and I think what you're doing is perfect because I've heard Substack described as the long game a lot of times you know and I get that and I get I think what people mean by that is you're not going to be a viral sensation overnight like you might be on a social media platform like Instagram or Twitter. It's not driven by those sorts of metrics. It rewards you come in and finding what it is that you want to write and say over a time period that feels right to you. You know, you can publish as much as or as little as you want within that time and hold in a community in all of that as well. People want to feel part of something. And it sounds like you're doing a brilliant job of that and you're, you're still enjoying it. You know, that's the main thing, isn't it? Because you are in such a busy season, yet you've made it work. It's working. Yeah. And I think it, yeah, I think it's working is, it's, is interesting, isn't it? Because you know, depending on how you measure working. So if I, you know, if I look at the figures, then in one respect that could be considered not particularly working because I only have a few paid subscribers. I don't have a huge um, number of of um, readers. But actually, you know, I'm kind of, I'm all right with that at the moment because I know that that's, you know, that's just how things are. And like I say, I think it is also for me, it is the long game. It's somewhere that I like being. I can't see myself leaving anytime soon. And I want to, uh, yeah, I want to enjoy it. I don't want it to be a, oh my God, you know, these are the things I need to do. I want to enjoy reading and also be able to step away from it when I don't have the time to keep reading. Um, and I want to enjoy writing and for it to not feel like a labour um, and hope that whatever I feel like writing is also what people feel like reading really mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I love that because you write some really well thought through sophisticated pieces some pieces that it's like you read it and you're like oh yeah I really needed somebody else's words to kind of confirm that in me or help me to better understand what that is you know you've got that level of nuance and sophistication in your work and it's so well researched and you are you know walking walking the talk like you're living it you know and you're not being pushed and pulled into lots of different directions and I think what people find in your substack home is very congruent actually it's a very calm and peaceful place it's a place that is really nice to be part of and it's there's no rush to do anything or rush to read lots and lots of things or take part in lots of things it's just a place to sort of be held and know that you're there like a sort of like a cheerleader like a calm a cheerleader for calm maybe I think is what I feel when I'm there oh that is lovely of you to say Claire I might keep that yeah no that's really good and I think you know like you say all of these creative projects and endeavours, Substack's one of them, you know, it's not something that we've got to do, it's a creative project. And so we're going to feel differently about that in different seasons of our life, in different seasons of the year. And so, yeah, keep an eye on what Gabrielle's up to, because she's a real creative type. And I really want you guys to follow along um, and not in a high pressure way, just because I know she has so much to add to the world and she will in the world of Substack. She already is, but there's more coming. So yes, what is your Substack called, Gabrielle? It's called The Haven. There you go. You see, how could you not? <laughs> how could you not go and hang over at The Haven? That sounds so beautiful. It's so lovely. It makes me laugh because somebody was... um talking on a Facebook group um, when we first moved to the village about The Haven. And I was like, what is this? 
what's the haven? And then my friend messaged me and she was like, oh, it just, it refers to a particular part of the village where they've got like a little centre for older people to come and congregate and get together. And I had no idea. It's not advertised. It's not on a sign anywhere. It's just like colloquially what they call it. And I just was like, isn't that such a lovely invitation to a place? And then obviously your substack. I'm like, wow, like we get to call a place online the haven. How lush is that? Yeah, I, the name came to me when we were, oh, where were we? I think maybe we were on the Isle of Wight. We were on holiday somewhere. Oh, nice. In Britain. And I was looking out the window um, at the sea. And it was just, I was thinking about, you know, a calm port and a stormy sea and, you know, needing, you know, a haven. And I thought, oh, that's, that is what I want my space to be for people. I want when people to come to me, for them to feel like they're in a haven, whether it be, my newsletter or whether it be on Instagram or whether it be in coaching or in a course or the podcast or anywhere that they come into my world in some way I want people to feel like they're in a little haven for themselves it's so beautiful and I can imagine the fluffy cushions and the bookshelf and you've brought me a herbal tea like it's so nice um and it's so lovely to see you creating that space and taking up space with this book like I just think it is gonna be a sensation I just think it's going to be a global sensation I think it's what people need and I think that the language of the title and the strap line really helps people see themselves in that so I hope that people do and I hope that you get lots of beautiful feedback this year um, and you're inundated with beautiful messages about how it has changed people's lives because why not you know why not Thank you, Claire. That's just, yeah, you're such a lovely, supportive person. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You're so welcome. It's been so nice to speak to you, Gabrielle. And yeah, I will see you over at the Haven really soon. Thank you. Thanks so, so much for listening to Sparkle on Substack. There's a whole community over on Substack to connect and chat with. If you'd like to leave me a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts, I'd absolutely love that. See you next time. And remember, great oaks grow from tiny acorn seeds. Sending sparkles to you for your day ahead.